everyone. My name is Derek Covington Smith, and I'm going to be your host for Spotlight On. Spotlight On is an interview podcast where we talk to different artists working and living in Mississippi. When I moved back to Mississippi, I opened up my studio, the Little Yellow Building, and began teaching. And once the coronavirus hit and really settled in, it became quite lonely. As artists, we're always used to having a lonely studio practice and being one-on-one with ourselves. But when you take out the option of having that community, it becomes really hard. And that's where Spotlight On was born. I started reaching out to artists all over Mississippi and interviewing and learning more about their lives. I'd like to invite you to come along and join me as we talk to everyone and anyone who wants to share their art and their life with us. So I hope you tune in. I hope you subscribe and join us for Spotlight On. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Spotlight On. This week, we have a special guest, Church Going Mule. Um, And and. Church Going Mule is a entity. It's a, a movement all in itself. It's this thing that's happening um, that's being driven by an artist. And it really centralizes around a lot of symbolism and storytelling and combining it all together to create this artistic experience. So um, welcome to the show, our Church Going Mule Um Thank you for joining us. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? So I call myself an outsider artist. I was born in Virginia and I was raised throughout the South my whole life. I grew up in Florida mostly um, and I live in Louisiana now. So a lot of my artwork has to do with telling stories in the way that people in the South and the way that I grew up hearing stories, tell stories Um, and celebrating our past, celebrating kind of my my family and everybody's family and how we all have this common past together of a lot of like rural, agrarian, hardworking, storytelling, sometimes hard drinking, sometimes church going, usually church going people. Um, that are again, part of my family and part of most Southerners family, if that <laughs> answers your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, how did that all come about? Was there a, a time when you just sat down and you're like, you know what, I need to start collecting this and creating this and putting this together? Um, growing up hearing stories so much, my great aunt was kind of like a grandmother to us and she told us stories and we took it for granted, you know, like how little kids do. And that was just something that our family always did was we'd get together after dinner and we'd play Rummy Cube and my folks of the family would drink wine and they just tell stories. And a lot of times the kids would be sitting there and we'd hear the same story a hundred thousand times, like whatever. But now that she's been passed on for so long and now that we're losing more family, um, you kind of like, what was that story? She told it so much better than we can tell it. And it's kind of my pursuit of trying to learn how to tell a story and remembering her stories. And at the same time, remembering everybody else's stories, Faulkner's, um, Hurston's, like Bill Trailers, just people you find along the way and celebrating their hard work and what they brought to the table in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And you were um, you you said you're living in Louisiana, but you just finished up working on a project in Mississippi. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Are you referring to the Twelve Oaks residency? Yes. Okay. Um, I was there from January through uh, March, right before the COVID lockdown started, March seventeenth. Um, it's supposed to run through April, and I did a couple workshops, but I moved in January third, and I was there through March seventeenth. 
making art, living in this old house in the woods, um, doing some workshops, living in the Ocean Springs community, going through the woods with my dog every day, going to the beaches around there, letting him run around on the beaches, just seeing everything that Ocean Springs had to offer, drinking a lot of coffee, um, having a lot of weird dreams, doing just a lot of creative work, writing and painting and photography, and um, just having the time of my life. It seems like a, it doesn't seem like it happened now. <laughs> it just seems like a whole other, just, oof, I can't, I think about it sometimes, it kind of makes me a little sad. <laughs> just yeah. like heart, like the blues, kind of sad about it. It was so good now it's over well it was a whole other life just just this year it was a whole other <laughs> life it's like, <laughs> really? oh, and um I, I didn't mention this but we're we're recording in december and this will be going out um january 29th so okay. if there are any upcoming projects in january we'll make sure to talk about that before we get off of this um something that i love about the persona that you've built and the um you know you you go through mississippi storytelling and and collecting those histories in that way, that specific way that we tell stories, because I'm not just Mississippi, but, you know, Southern, Southern um, way that we tell stories, but your the symbolism in your artwork and even the symbolism in your name, church going mule. And um, I love the fact that it's mule that, that makes me happy because it's a humble animal and it's a hardworking animal. And it's one that, often gets overlooked for the pretty pictures of the horses and, you know, all that kind of thing. So I, I love that about you and, and, and your persona. So tell me a little bit about how that came about. Um, again, it's kind of looking at uh, the common roots that we all have. And then again, through my family that my grandfather that I never met on my father's side was a Methodist preacher and my grandfather on my mother's side um, fought in World War II, but he came from a rural agrarian North Carolina background. And his brother had mules and everybody that worked, that plowed, that had farms had a mule. And that's, it was kind of combining both of those together. Um, and then also finding something in that in myself and bringing that to the table. So it's, I wanted to know them better. And I also kind of wanted to bring my personality to the table, but it's, you'd asked earlier about like what kind of mule referred to. And I didn't think to say that, um, when people are like, Oh wow, church go mule, like whatever. I'm like, yeah, good for them. They're doing that. Like it's separate for me. So that way I don't, cause it's like embarrassing when people are nice. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. And again, Mules were tractors, were cars before everybody had them, and horses were expensive, and they were harder to keep. And a horse could live on—I mean, I'm sorry—a mule could live on almost nothing and work harder than a horse could. So it was kind of every man's uh, animal. It, it speaks to our rural heritage of uh, uh, growing up in a poverty-stricken region and understanding that the hard-working parts of ourselves and the things around mm -hmm. us are what we had to depend on and they are the most valuable things to us even though they're not recognized yeah I, I well I and that. that's they and it, so part of it too was from North Carolina to Virginia to Florida to Louisiana all across the south and Texas of course as well Mules were in coal mines. They were working in the oil fields, pulling stumps out of the woods, uh, sugar cane, um, of course, in Mississippi, plowing um, and taking people to juke joints. There's a lot. So Taj Mahal had said that the blues was born behind a mule, that the plowing rhythm 
of the mule was led to the kind of general blues rhythm that we all know now. So it's just, I don't go out looking for that stuff. Like the stuff that I'm watching and reading naturally brings me there. So it's like when that happens, I'm like, whoa. So it just kind of increasingly seems meant to be that I chose it. And then the stories kind of just keep coming to make it make sense. Now, something that people can find, um, well, I don't know. Are you, you'll have to tell me. I just bought the last two of your zines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, that's all of them. <laughs> but I had seen um, a little clip uh, or two of the zine and um, it's, it's a collection of three stories along with illustrations all created by you. Um, and tell, tell us a little bit about that, how that project came about. I've been going to Clarksdale since 2014, I think maybe a little bit later than that. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just the draw of blues music. And I think everybody kind of hears the Robert Johnson myth and then like mule stories, like it just goes from there. You dig deeper and you dig deeper and you find Charlie Patton and you find his weird stories and Howlin' Wolf and all just like all this crazy mythology that happened. Um, apparently Charlie Patton fought a mule at one point and one. Um, but it's just the kind of stories in Clarksdale, you don't even have to go looking for. They just come to you and it's in the music and it's in the people. And in all this, it's six hours from uh, where I live in Louisiana to Clarksdale. And you get a lot of time to think when you're out driving like that. So the stories, I say that they're all true. <laughs> so we're going to stick with that. But uh, the stories are collected in that drive and then in being in Clarksdale and just kind of all it's, I guess, six, five or six years of being in that environment when I can be and the weird dreams that come around in Clarksdale. <laughs> Is this your first zine or first um, thing like this that you've done? I think I made my first real zines in 2015. Um, and I feel like I made one every month for a little while. I don't know how long, if it was six months or if it was shorter than that, but I did one on Hank Williams. And there's this author, Harry Cruz, that tells a story about how you can't keep birds in the house. And I did a zine on that. Um, did a zine on Mardi Gras and dogs out of all shapes and just kind of like figuring out how to do zines. So this is the first one I've done in a long time. I did some at 12 Oaks, but this is the first like really nice zine that I've probably ever made. <laughs> do you, do you pull, you, you mentioned that you have a lot of dreams. Do you pull your imagery out of your dreams or your story out of your dreams or it, does it play a, a big integral part? I, walking around and thinking about stuff, it all comes together and that's, it's really frustrating sometimes. And I don't know how this happened or why it happens. Um, but there's certain dreams that I have where I don't know if it happened in real life or not, where I literally had a dream the other day that I got a rude email and I remembered it in the middle of the day and I went to go read it. And I was like, that was a dream. <laughs> Why did I have that dream? That is such a stupid dream to have. So I don't dreams in waking life are really, I don't know. Sometimes it's pretty thin. Um, dreams influence a lot, but then just kind of my imagination is at times still intact. Uh, and the artistic life and storytelling just all kind of bleeds together. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that you're, you consider yourself an outsider artist. Um, what is define that for anybody that's listening? So it's a muddy definition really in terms of other artists um, in the past from primitive, naive folk, raw, brute art. Um, it, 
in a lot of ways refers maybe to uneducated artists. Like Bill Trailer started painting when he was 85 in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And he, of course, didn't have an education drawing. He just started doing it. And he made 15,000 drawings in his lifetime after that. Um, so outsider art is where you don't really fit in. And that's what you went to art school. You've interviewed people that go to art school. And I feel like they are very art world where I don't need to be in MoMA. I don't need to have like a guy trying to sell my art to people in million dollar homes or whatever. Like I'm happy just doing it. And if I didn't have Instagram, I'd probably do it in in secret, <laughs> in private, um, in the way that Henry Darger did. Like I'd probably have closets full of mules and nobody would have to know about it, but because the internet people know. Yeah. Yeah. That's how are you handling that? Is that a, the, the whole internet boom the you know especially right now that we're going through because we've had to shift everything online um you seem to have a a much deeper connection to your work um a lot of artists have deep connections but you your life and soul and stories and art and dreams and and, and all of that's just combined Uh, into your work how is that putting it out there for everybody um again part of the i don't know if it's disassociation but the the other side of being church going mule is that it, I can put my heart and soul out there, but it feels separate because it's church going mule. And to me, the mule feels a little bit like an imaginary friend to me. So it's kind of like everything that comes along with that is something that I just like love and have to have around me. So um, putting it out there in the way that people you've talked to are sharing their struggles um, openly and honestly, I think it's good to be able to, um, share your life, whatever that is, even though I tend to try to stay more positive. Um, I think it's good to put yourself out there like that because people, we all have a lot more in common than we realize and putting yourself out there in your story is important to share and get that feedback. So. Absolutely. And, and just to, to not only to get the feedback, but you never know who's listening and you never know how much they may relate to you whether they, mm-hmm. you know, are anything like you or not, there might be something in you and your art that sparks it within them. So that, that's all exciting. Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get really excited when anybody considers the people around them and how they're going to be affected. Um, and your, your disassociation um, technique is an interesting one because uh, possibly one that, I mean, I've fantasized about trying it, about building the alternate persona in order to be able to do everything in my head and just, you know, free reign, just boom. I don't think I could handle it. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, you had mentioned a little bit about your story. Uh, journey through art and you were referencing some of the ups and downs and staying more positive. Well, why don't you share a little bit about some memorable journeys in your, your art journey, your, your life in art. Um, (laughs) Not to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's uh, lots of shipping. Uh, It takes an awful lot of time to learn how to ship stuff uh, intelligently, but to or I guess not intelligently, but uh, what's the right word? <laughs> anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. I can't believe I did that. Um, Mississippi <laughs> and Smith and Lens. I got out of college and I moved to Louisiana and I don't 
know how I found Smith and Lens or how they found me, but I entered a jury show and I just put my work out there. Um, and it got accepted and it got purchased. And then the next year I had a solo show there because they supported me because they have this great community that they've fed and grown and everybody supports each other. And there's like so many, just, I can't even think of how many amazing, just women artists too, especially on the coast out there that are doing incredible work and are helping their community and helping other artists and just generously giving. And I think that they set a good example, same thing here in Lafayette where um, there's no jealousy, there's no competition. We're all playing our own beat and we're all supporting each other and helping when we can. And I think it's so different from other art artist communities that I've been in where maybe we don't, you don't have positive things to say about each other, but here and in Mississippi, um, it's the community just kind of from Clarksdale to the coast. It's just, once you know somebody, you know, somebody else, you know, somebody else, you know, somebody else. And it's just like this little great supportive community. Like Adam Trust was saying, like, if you can help, everybody helps each other. And I think that's been a really amazing part of the journey that just keeps, I guess, feeding my creativity and feeding kind of the experience of being an artist. And I hope that if people can be generous with what they have, that they wouldn't, <laughs> that's so important. It's been so important. I think one of the, the key issues that we have are not necessarily issue, but the a positive aspect that we have in the South and Sam Clark, who I, I previously interviewed before you um, kind of hit it on the head is that Mississippi is, not expensive to live in. Um, the South is not expensive to live in. And I think for that reason, you have artists being less cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And when you get into bigger cities, um, like for instance, when I was living in New York, it was really hard to find friends that were at any way established in the art world. Like as soon as they were established, they didn't want to talk to any other artists. They didn't want oh, to. Be, yeah. And it wasn't very good, <laughs> you know, and then but you go down to like Brooklyn or you go down to where, you know, people are struggling and they're just finding group shows and they want to be friends. And they, you know, I think it comes with status. And I think that, you know, Mississippi and, and the South doesn't, doesn't harp on status as much um, in the art world, at least. We have our moments where we try to define and, and push to one side or the other. But I think that we are really supportive of each other and, and really supportive of just trying to make Southern art better known. Um, the world is lacking in Southern art. And I think that we, we're doing a good job starting to put that out there. Um, so I had mentioned that this will be airing in January. Is there anything, any projects coming up that you're working on or that you're building now that might be coming to fruition around then? Um, so I'm hoping to do a residency in Cleveland, Mississippi in January. We've been planning it for a little while, so I'm hoping that that comes through. Um, they'd asked if maybe I could do a mural up there at the residency site, so I'm hoping that that will happen. Um, I have an idea for a series. The first like mammoth Jack donkey was a gift from the King of Spain to George Washington. And because they didn't have ways to ship animals back then. So he was performing stud services and bringing the, like putting mules in America basically. Um, And the only way they could get that to happen across the South was the donkey would have to be ridden to like South Carolina from George Washington's place in Virginia or whatever. And, like, 
I work in horse racing now and like studs are like half a million dollar stud fees. So it's like this thing from Spain was just hanging out, galloping across South Carolina and died. So I'm like thinking about how weird it must have been for that donkey from Spain to be in to travel the South and see everything that he must have seen <laughs> in his Spanish accent. So <laughs> I'm not sure really where that's going, but I thought that the other day, I thought that's a pretty good story. So I have to, I'm beginning the research now. <laughs> that is a fascinating story. <laughs> now, what all goes into your research? Um, reading, <laughs> just a lot of reading and music and um, ideas come along just by virtue of thinking about something a lot be it studio time or walking or uh, compiling ideas is a lot of the research and then um, putting it together eventually. I don't think too much about stuff usually when I do it. So this will be interesting that I'll actually have to plan it out. Unbelievable. Now, is there something about you that you would like for everyone to know that they can't see reflected in your art? I'm not a super uh, self-reflective person. (laughs) So uh, I have a lot of people that will say at times they're like, oh, I'm nervous to talk to you or I'm nervous to write you or whatever. Like reach out. I want to talk to people. That's like, I'm not good at talking to people in person or on the phone or anything, but um, I want to. And that's why I wanted to do this. I could get better at talking about things. So if you, if you want to reach out, if you want to write or whatever, I would love to talk to you. So it's just, I don't, I hope I don't come off as like not wanting to talk to people, but if I do, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm like, please talk to me. <laughs> I don't think you do. Well, that's, that's an ongoing thing. <laughs> Almost every single person who is interviewed at some point in, in the thing is like, yeah, just talk to us, reach out. You know, we're not, <laughs> it's like a level of intimidation. They, you know, somebody sees the art and likes the art and is afraid to talk to the creator. Um, but no, we, we want to, we want to talk and we want to share and, and we want to know why you like our stuff. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah, oh that's, yeah. That's so important. Um, okay. So it's church going mule and it's going as in G O I N not going. So it's church going mule. Um, you can right. find it on Instagram and then church going mule.com. Um, you have Etsy. Yes. You're at Smith and Lens. Um, I think I saw you were at two other galleries as well. What were the other two? So there's mega, mega, mega dot net and kind of like an artist put online to kind of you, you might go there to find my work. You'll find Stacy Johnson's work who lives um, in past Christian. And then you'll find another artist's work and another artist's work. Um, Andrew Blanchard in South Carolina. So it's just kind of a way to introduce everybody to each other. Um and maybe see art that you wouldn't normally look at, like ceramics or abstract work and um, things like that. And then, oh, oh yeah, I'm at <laughs> Pink Alligator Gallery in Brobridge. Um, Robin Gidry and her husband Kelly do terrific work. They're really incredible and like whimsical. And it's called Pink Alligator because it's like fluffy, but then it's alligator because it could also maybe kill you. So that's kind of her aesthetic <laughs> and it's really fun to go in there because she has outsider work and Louisiana stuff and she's just brought it together really uh, cleverly <laughs> and she's incredible to talk to as well. And she also has like a wedding magazine. She just does everything. So I think that's all three of them. And Smith and Lens is closing in December. I didn't know that. 
yes, I didn't know that until two weeks ago. And I was like, (laughs) so, um, I'm still, I was trying to write a post about it this morning and like, it, (laughs) I'm like, I'm very sad, (laughs) but they're still doing, yeah, they're still, uh, there's still a hundred men hole. And I think that they do a lot of like community art events. And I think they'll probably continue to do that because Anne and, uh, Oh no, see, I'm terrible with names. Smith (laughs) and Lynn's are, still going to be in the community doing what they do. So I don't think it'll change. They just maybe won't have a hub for it anymore. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's part of that change, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that the pandemic didn't have any <laughs> like positive effect on things. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting and sad and challenging and exciting and all at the same time to, to see how we're having to adjust and what we're going to have to do going forward in order just to accomplish our everyday accomplishments that we normally do. You know, we have Smith and Lens, who is a hub for so many artists that get the artist's work seen. And what a lot of people don't realize is that artists, well, no, I think you do realize it might be why you're scared to talk to us. Um, artists go <laughs> to their studio and they create, and it's a very, you know, solitary activity. And um, our, you know, one, where we just don't invite a whole lot of people into that process. And then we kind of lack in thinking about how we're going to put things out into the world and places like um, mega, mega, mega Smith and lens, the pink alligator, like those are the places that are the middlemen that are able to concentrate on putting art in front of faces. And, you know, when, when artists need to concentrate on creating it's well, and that's the thing about Anne and Robin is that they can they can tell a good story and then they can tell you a good story about the art as well. And they know their artists and they have relationships with them. And I think that's probably what any gallery owner does, just to add a bonus that Anne's an artist as well. But um, she it's like you went in there and it's like, tell me about this and tell you a terrific story. And it's like, well, I don't have a choice. I have to take it home now. So, um, that's what, when I had found out they were closing, I'm like, where am I going to find new artists now? And she's like, well, we, we got it. We're going to still do it. So, <laughs> and now I have the little yellow building. Cause you guys are introducing me to all kinds of new stuff. So that's terrific. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Um, you know, with this, this whole thing is just, a big experiment on, on what I can get away with and how far I can push things. So as <laughs> well, that's what, like Lindsay in Vicksburg, yeah. I was like, what? She's been in Vicksburg this whole time. She is. So it's yeah. Doing great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on and thank you for sharing everything. Is there any advice that you would be, that you would want to give to artists in the future coming up or anybody that might be listening to this and, and just, I don't know, in the beginning of their journey, what would you say? So I don't think that I'm really any better than any other artist. And I think there's a lot of artists I know that I adore. I love them so much and they don't put their work out there. And some of my best friends don't like they're my friends or best friends to me, but they don't know it. (laughs) Um, That make just terrific work, but they're shy about it or they don't, think that they're good enough to share it but it's like I'm so used to rejection by now like I submitted a poem to Paris Review when I was like 14 like who does that not a smart person (laughs) but it's just like put it out there you never know what's gonna happen like you'll be surprised I 
just keep making work. Definitely make work. Um, Sam Phillips has a saying, he did Sun Records in Memphis. He's like, do your own thing in your own way and you cannot fail. So just like, you don't have to be better than anybody else. You don't have to be, you don't have to compete. Just do it. And it's all going to fall in place. You're going to hear Taj Mahal saying that blues was born behind him. You want to be like, oh no, perfect. It just works out. Just keep making work. Perfect. Yeah, just just keep making work. Exactly. Go through, just keep going. And put it out there. Just do it. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing everything and your advice and your story. And um, for those that, you know, you, you, you've got to go and check out at least the website so you can see what Church Going Mule is all about. It's churchgoingmule.com. Um, find them on Instagram. <laughs> you know, look at them on Smith and Lens before they close this month. Well, this will be January. They're closed. That's horrible. Uh, I didn't know this. I'm sorry. It just took me off guard. Um, mega, 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 um, the, the pink alligator. But thank you for being with us. And for everyone else, join us again next week where we'll talk to another artist and they'll share more of their stories. Have a good one.